My dear evolved listener, welcome to the fifth episode of the Learning Lights podcast. In the first few episodes, my attempt was to lay a quick groundwork for understanding what instructional design is and what an instructional designer does. Then in the fourth episode, we talked about called cycle or the experiential learning model. Today, I want to take a diversion and speak about one of the important application areas of instructional design, which is training. Today's episode is going to be about how instructional design helps a trainer conduct more effective training programs, both on ground and online. We will begin with a quick historical overview of how the Indian training industry connected up with instructional design. Then we'll talk about how instructional design helps a trainer deliver the usual on-ground training programs with higher effectiveness. And finally, we will understand the challenges that trainers face during the online rollouts of the same on-ground training programs and how instructional design helps them overcome those challenges and how ID helps them in making their online programs at least as, if not more effective than their on-ground programs. So here is a bit about how the Indian training industry connected up with instructional design. You see, there was a time when instructional design was primarily seen as a discipline that was connected with e-learning, at least here in India. Then around the early 2000s, when the BPO boom began, things began to change. We had first started offering our instructional design courses in 2005. It was in the third rollout of Wavelength's two-month instructional design and content development course, which is now Creative Agni's IDCD course, that we had our first trainer participant. By 2010, the proportion of trainers in our instructional design courses had gone up to about 50%. The training industry had started understanding the role that instructional design could play in improving training effectiveness, both while designing training programs as well as while implementing them. It was quietly dawning upon the Indian training industry that there was a lot more to training design than just a few adult learning principles and WIIFM. For the uninitiated, WIIFM stands for What is in it for me? The idea that before the adults do anything, they want to know what is in it for them. Don't tell anyone, but I believe it's a fairly simplistic view of the adult learner's motivation. So back to what we were talking about. More and more trainers, as you can see, had started realizing that the knowledge of instructional design could improve not just their training delivery, but also brighten their growth prospects. If we just go back in time by about a century, we would not find many trainers because adults were not supposed to be learning. They were supposed to be working. They were supposed to be doing things instead. But as the concept of corporate training took roots, there blossomed a need for individuals who could come in and train either the new joinees on skills that they would require for their work, or even the old guard 
on any changes that they may have to accept and skill up on. Let me quickly help you figure out the term training. So when you think of training or any of its variants such as corporate coaching, personal coaching, online classes, etc., think of a grown adult as the learner. A trainer is someone who helps adults learn something. Uh, this something that a trainer helps adults learn could be classified as KSA or knowledge, skills and attitudes. I would like to tweak this a little bit and say that a trainer is someone who helps adults learn, unlearn and relearn. Traditionally and until about 1990s, most of such trainings were technical in nature. People did not care much about what we today call soft skills. So those who were experienced in their specific areas or were the subject matter experts, they became the trainers. Some of these expert trainers did not have great communication skills. Others did not have the right attitude for training. Nevertheless, they trained. So the audience seldom came out of the classroom smiling. Subject matter expertise also meant that these trainers were graying around the temples. Most were in their 40s, 50s, even 60s. Then came the BPO boom. And with it came the need to train people on soft skills such as communication skills, leadership skills and so on. And also on voice and accent. Since the intrinsic load of this content was much lower than, say, the intrinsic load of the process of loading a gear cutting machine or um, the redesign of an ingot buggy for the steel melting shop. So, for these trainers, subject matter expertise became secondary. And the training paradigm changed. The average age of the trainer quickly fell below 30 and language proficiency became the dominant skill. Alongside, another development was taking place. That of the need to repurpose foreign training content that the BPOs would receive from their client organizations for the Indian audience. And this obviously brought instructional design into a sharper focus. The training community woke up to the need of learning instructional design. Still, the realization that instructional design could help them deliver more effective trainings was a thing of the future. But something was clear. The trainers who knew instructional design appeared more savvy in their interviews and when they designed or redesigned their training programs, their redesigned program did better than the earlier programs. Among the trainers who participated in my instructional design courses, I saw many grow wings and soar to the upper strata of the management skies. The question is, how did it happen? What changed after they became proficient in instructional design? I think that instructional design is an alchemist that transforms a trainer's delivery in three fundamental ways. One, an instructional design savvy trainer becomes a quick absorber of the training material 
and can quickly segment the content. Visualize the entire training program beforehand and own the training program before even stepping into the classroom. Two, it makes the trainer capable of intelligent and relevant improvisation on the ground. With instructional design in their repertoire, the ID savvy trainers with some hold on the content area in which they train can quickly understand the audience mix, get a sense of their expectations and requirements, and determine how content must be customized in terms of delivery and examples. Three, the instructional design savvy trainers become more empathetic and tuned to the individual differences in the audience. Instructional design teaches us to understand each member of the audience as the sum total of their knowledge, skills, and personal experiences. And so far, we've just been talking about training delivery. Here's a quick recap. Three important ways in which instructional design influences training delivery positively are, one, Quicker and better absorption and retention of the training material. Two, relevant and effective improvisation on ground. Three, improved empathy and understanding of the audience. However, things are changing and they are changing fast. And so, it's important that we review the impact of instructional design on how a trainer rolls out the programs online. The pandemic has, in fact, quickened the pace of this change. As we move towards online content, the trainer will have to move towards repurposing their training programs in such a manner that they don't lose their effectiveness. And when delivered online, those training programs remain as effective as when they are delivered online because the remote audience behaves differently than a classroom audience. And there are tons of reasons for it. I'm sure you must have been on the other side too. You probably have been the remote audience for some or the other program. Before we go further, take a moment to recall your feeling and your behavior while you were attending the program. Hold that memory as we discuss the five reasons why online rollouts are actually more challenging. One, the remote audience may be more comfortable than they would be in an on-ground classroom. They might be sitting in a couch or even on a bed and that would make them very comfortable. Now, comfort feasts on alertness. If we want to learn something, it's important for us to leave our comfort zones. Two, the remote audience is usually a lot more distracted than a classroom audience. Their environment may not be as conducive and non-disruptive as the environment in the classroom would be. Three, the remote learners are also in control of their own presence in the class. They can shut down their videos and audios at will or at the slightest distraction in their immediate environment. So that actually breaks the continuity of their presence in the classroom. Four, 
The physical distance between you and your audience makes the connection between you and your audience a lot more tenuous than it is in a classroom. Um, okay, that leads me to a thought. Uh, I share the thought for those of you who are already ID savvy. You know what happens is the concreteness of the experience falls three levels on Dale's cone from demonstrations to motion pictures because despite all the interactions you are now just a talking image to your audience unless of course something in your training program makes them feel otherwise. Five, your ability to read the signs from the body language of your remote audience is greatly reduced. Thus, signs of interest petering off or some content or example bouncing off may escape your notice. As a trainer, if you know instructional design, you can reflect upon your training strategies and define areas that you would pay extra attention to and then modify the design or at least implement the program differently. In fact, I believe that starting from the prerequisites that you define for your programs, everything except of course the learning objectives of your training programs should be tweaked to arrive at the same effectiveness levels in your online programs. I think I'll stop here today, but I would like you to ponder upon two questions. One, what are the top three characteristics of online training that the trainers can turn to their advantage. Two, when the pandemic ends, and I am confident that we are quite close to seeing its end, will the preference for on-ground training revert to its previous levels? You can send me your thoughts at shifali.anand.gmail.com or you can record them as a comment at anchor.fm slash learninglights. If you do this, I will include them in one of the future episodes. If you have any questions about instructional design or training or any of its other application areas, send me an email. That is all for now. If you like the Learning Lights podcast, be sure to subscribe to it or follow it on a podcasting app of your choice. I wish all my listeners a productive, safe and happy new year. Thank you.